This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. All right, let's just kick it off. Uh, Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Thoughts in the Shade. It's episode 32, and uh, Bob and I are coming to you a little bit later than we would have liked to after the divisional round we had a family affair on saturday uh, a lovely wedding and congrats to the newlyweds they know who they are and welcome uh to some of the listeners that we garnered at the wedding uh welcome to thoughts in the shade happy to have you um and i think what might have sold these folks is the speech that bomb gave at the wedding Saturday evening, uh, just have to say, Bob, one of the best speeches I've ever heard uh, in my young-ish life uh, going to weddings. You hear a lot of bad ones. You really delivered so well done, sir, and welcome uh, to this episode 32. I appreciate it, G. You know, you can't tell if somebody's just pumping up your tires to be nice, but I'd like to think that after 31 episodes, you know, you feel comfortable on the mic in front of people, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, live in person on a dance floor. So, uh, no, I appreciate the kind words, had a good time, and certainly uh, wish the newlyweds well. And are you fully recovered? I mean, you you were a big part of this wedding. Um, it was a late night. How are you feeling now? Well, you know the deal. You've you've had to give give some of these speeches before, but, you know, you can't really get too too wild ahead of the uh, ahead of the reception. So you know you just catch a little buzz, and then you go out there and you give your speech, and then you feel like the weight of the world is finally off your shoulders, and the the beers start flowing, and you're feeling pretty good, and then you're catching a little bit of a second wind, right? The lights come on, and you think, "Damn, it's over already!" And then you go to the hotel bar, and that's where things get sideways. Gee, the Peanut butter whiskey shots are being whipped out. Oh. Just atrocious, but phenomenal time. You know, just feeling better now. Coming to you here on a Tuesday, in your ears on a Wednesday. And yeah, you know the deal. Just uh, the, the recovery time, you know, it's, it's just not the same as it w- once was, right? I think we might need to get a little get a little cryo chamber like T.O. back in the day after some of these weddings. You're not kidding. Or get get on the TB12 method, whatever that guy's doing at 44 to stand in there and take the shots like he did on Sunday. But before we get to to the games, divisional weekend, um, I got I got I got one thing for you. I don't know if I need a ruling, um, or, or I just wanted to throw this out to you. But you know, I'm back in the gym. It's the new year. Uh, I wrapped up physical therapy, so I, I go to the gym to get out of the house and you know, do my routine, do my exercises for, for my back and get a little sweat in and, and, and so forth. But I'm in this gym and they got the, the paper towel stands with the spray, you know, to spray down the equipment, keep everything clean. And I see this guy, uh, I'm on the elliptical. I see this guy go up to one of the paper towel stands middle in the middle of the gym. And you know, the gym it isn't a big spacious gym. There's equipment all, and there's people on top of each other. This guy pulls out the paper towel and starts blowing his nose into the paper towel in the middle of the gym. So I'm like, all right, maybe, you know, it was just a one-off quick thing. I give the guy the benefit of the doubt, right? Everybody in life deserves a second chance. But then later, I'm back at the water fountain, and this guy's at another paper towel stand, and he's blowing his nose into the paper towel again, and I look over at him, and he's got, you know, the... The snot, I, I can see the drippage. Like, this guy's just making a mess in the middle of the gym. And, you know, we're back from COVID. However you feel about that, I'm not entirely fearful. But I just think in a, a, a general um, hygiene perspective, like, some of these people are animals. That's got to be in the bathroom, now. I mean, 
It's got to be in the comfort of your own home. If you're so fucking congested that you're hacking up mucus or, you know, blowing mucus into a paper towel in the middle of G's gym, I mean, that that's just sign number one. You can't be out there. You got to be home. Yeah. I mean, at least in the bathroom and washing the hands after. I mean, I blow my nose in my own house. house I wash my hands after. This guy's... Uh, you know, in between sets and reach, reaching for a barbell after he just snotted all over the place. It's just complete violation. Um, I guess, you know, I haven't been out in the uh, the public sphere with the COVID and everything, but you just kind of forget that, man, there's some real creatures out there. And what'd you hit him? Did you tell him? Did you give him the, did you give him the scoop or what? Did you tell him, <laughs> hey, pal, listen here, I'm here. I'm trying to get some rehab in on my fucking back to get my golf swing right. And here you are, freaking snotting it up. I mean, did you did you let them know? Nah, you can't let them know. You, you never know what you're gonna get with these people. You know, I I always take the path of least resistance, and uh, you know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, unless confrontation is absolutely necessary, it's it's the last uh, last resort for me. Well, I don't know what what game you want to talk about first, or you know, if you want to transition over to the games, but I think. Uh, you know, that guy blowing his nose uh, is a good segue into uh, maybe we'll start with the Saturday night game, the Kleenex Bowl. What was Saturday night? It was uh, Green, Green Bay. The Shanahan. And my boy Shanahan. Yeah, man. yeah. I mean, next week we're getting the Kleenex Bowl. We'll talk about these games and give a look into next week. But yeah, I mean, figure that's a great segue into that. Yeah, I mean, let's let's start with uh, with the late game Saturday. Uh, I mean, just a crazy weekend altogether. Every game ended on the the last play of the game, three field goals and one Travis Kelsey touchdown and Arrowhead. But yeah, thirteen ten. Uh, Robbie Gold puts one through the uprights at a snowy Lambeau uh, for San Fran to, to to beat the Packers again, and um, it was pointed out somewhere online or something and i didn't realize it till till maybe yesterday monday but you know aaron Rodgers lost uh to the 49ers i don't know if it was divisional round or conference championship i think it was the year san fran ended up in the super bowl but the packers lost to the 49ers at san francisco and after that loss aaron Rodgers said something along the lines of we just got to get him at our house we got to get him at lambeau it's a different game when it's single digits and snowing and windy and cold and he had a shot Saturday night and man I, I guess came off small like obviously we were busy and, and didn't see it all you know and, and be totally tuned in but sounds like he came off small and I, I'm surprised but I guess you know I, I was uh I was sold fraudulent goods on the Green Bay Packers this year my understanding is he's 0-4 against the the uh, the 49ers in the playoffs all time. Um, yeah, I mean, shocking. Uh, you know, Rodgers is now, I think, starting to. I mean, starting to. He's he's. I think he's in the category of like, uh, you know, regular season MVP, but playoff choke artist. I mean, Peyton Manning was in that category for his entire time. You know, really with the Colts, um, he won that obviously that one Super Bowl against the Bears, but. Um, uh, but you know, and then yeah, obviously he he won one with with the Broncos. So maybe it's maybe it's time, right? And maybe he needs that change of scenery, go to another team, try to create a new legacy. But man, if you're a Packers fan, you had two of the very best quarterbacks of all time for the last thirty years, and you come away with two Super Bowls. That is pathetic. It's disgusting. It's an indictment of their ownership. It's an indictment of their fans. It's an indictment of their GM. I just don't understand how you can't you can't win more than two Super Bowls when you have two all-time legends playing there uninterrupted for three decades. I mean, it's easy for us to say as uh, Eagles fans, but um, I don't know, man. And and the other thing I wanted to point out, like you you talked about Rodgers making that comment, like we'll get him in our house. There used to be a mystique with Lambeau. All that ended when Mike Vick went in there with the Falcons. I beat them on a cold, snowy night that one that one year when he was running around like a lunatic. I mean, I think that mystique of going to Lambeau and winning is totally gone. I mean, Eli went in there. We remember Tom Coughlin with the red face. Seems like anybody can go in there and beat these guys on their way to their on the way to a Super Bowl. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, 
you make a, a bunch of great points. And like, I'm a big Rogers fan. He's fun to watch. He gets it done every regular season. Um, and then, you know, I'm on the elliptical Monday, you know, watching snots and then I'm looking up at the TV and I'm watching ESPN and, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, is Rogers a choke artist is, does this impact his legacy? You know, this and that it's, it's, uh, you know, noontime TV on ESPN. So it's, it's all the, all the dramatics, but, you know, I kind of thought at first, like maybe, maybe this is a little, you know, uh, overstated or a little hyperbolic. And then you think about, you know, all the opportunities that they've had his record in the playoffs, I think he's sub 500 in the playoffs. And then in his career, since he entered the league in 05, I thought to myself, well, how many quarterbacks have won more than one Super Bowl? Obviously, you've got Brady. You've got Peyton Manning, who you mentioned, going to Denver to get his second one and kind of reinvent himself there a little bit. Um, you got Eli Manning. I mean, does anybody think, did anyone ever think Eli Manning was a regular season MVP? Um, and then you got Big Ben. You got Big Ben as well. So, like, I think after doing a little bit of intel and, and thinking about it like and i love rogers i mean I'm, I'm an eagles fan right diehard eagles fan but i'm a huge rogers fan love the way he plays love watch, watching him sling it like he's great but big ben's got two eli's got two pete manning was obviously a great one, one of the greats of all time and, and he's got two and then you got brady like rogers gotta go get another one man and and, and i think i think the point is it's fair that he, he's got to go do it somewhere else. Um, you know, LaFleur, I, I didn't see the game, but to, ha- to have that offense that he has and, and 10 points, I get it's cold and I get I get it's windy and it's snowing and everything. But after the debacle last year with kicking the field goal down eight, and all, like I feel like Rodgers is probably like, I got to run for the hills now. Yeah, I mean, especially the other thing that was odd is, right, it's this new year, new format with the uh, with the NFL. It used to be the top two seeds get a bye. And, uh, we'll, you know, obviously we'll get to the Titans game, but here you have two one seeds who had a bye, right, and just, uh, you know, totally shit the bed on offense. Um, and it makes you wonder, like, what what exactly were LaFleur and Rodgers doing over the course of the bye? I mean, I heard Matt LaFleur on another program give an interview. 40 minutes. He's on another program giving an interview 40 minutes, chopping it up. Ha ha. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go for it on fourth down last year. Maybe I would have done different this year. I mean, that is, that is pathetic. And say what you want about Doug, say what you want about, you know, Andy. I don't, I don't think those two guys are spending their time going on, you know, the hip and cool podcast during their bye week. No, they're scheming up a damn game plan. These are these coaches, the Lafleurs, the uh, the Shanahan's, the McVeighs. These guys that are all younger than Tom Brady. They're they're your uh, they're your teeny boppers of NFL coaching, and they're trying to get that clout, man. Yeah, they really are. I mean, think about all the people at your at your jobs, respective listeners, right? You got these younger people. All they do is sit on their phones all day. They barely even respond to an email. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I'm sure that's what they're doing in the damn in the damn building, right? I mean, they're they're pumping their content. They're getting, you know what I mean? It's like ridiculous. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, LaFleur, that is, I mean, he, he he had the best record of all time. What, the first three years as a head coach? Best record, best record of all time, best start, first three years as a head coach. And then to lay like these kind of eggs in the playoffs, I mean, that's a stink you can't, you can't come back from. And now you look to the future, right? If Rodgers leaves and carves a new legacy somewhere else, is this guy really going to get it done with Jordan Love? I mean, that's just that would be unbelievable. I just don't see that happening. No, that didn't look good in in the one one game audition against the Chiefs uh, in the regular season. But one more nugget on Rodgers um, that I heard this week: Tom Brady, uh, for all the years he spent in the AFC and with the Patriots, Tom Brady has more playoff wins against the NFC. Than Aaron Rodgers, dude, that's so bad. It's, that's so bad. It's pretty unbelievable. But um, I don't know if you had anything else on that right now. But I mean, I think you got to give give some credit to to the Niners and and to Kyle Shanahan. I mean, and, and Jimmy G. I mean, it's not always pretty. Um, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't get to hear much of a stroke fest and I think it was Buck and Aikman Saturday night. So it probably would have been a, been a fair, um, objective call from those guys, but you can't really argue with winning and getting it done. And, you know, we said it, uh, coming into the playoffs, like for all these, these top teams and, and teams that coasted through the regular season, San Francisco, that, that was a team I, I did not, did not want to play. And, uh, for Dallas and green Bay, uh, you can see why. Yeah. And I'll just close by saying it's, it's nice to finally see a, you know, Penn Stater, you know, make a big play in a big moment and finally get a dub. I mean, like when's the last time you've ever seen that G you know what I mean? Like, you know, and this, this guy, this guy was before the, the James Franklin era. So it makes you wonder, right? All these people that talk about Penn state developing pros, the guy with the most longevity, he wasn't a, he wasn't a James Franklin recruit. No, Robbie gold, man. He he's an old timer, but still getting it done coming, coming through clutch. So, Good to see. That's that's a guy you can root for, and uh, you don't you don't have to hear the honks say that that JF uh, developed him. So um, the other game Saturday, I was able to catch like maybe the first quarter a little bit a little bit um, between between ceremony and reception. Um, but the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, I mean that guy just carried his big old hog into Nashville and walked out with another dub. Um, guy's unbelievable, but. Got the win over the Titans, the, the top seed in the AFC, coming off uh, the bye as well. 19-16 um, to 16 on, on a field goal as time expired from McPherson. I believe his name's Evan McPherson. Um, but, yeah, like I said, got to tune into a little bit of the game uh, between the festivities on Saturday. And Tennessee gets the ball, you know, first uh, first play, uh, after two weeks off, you know, big, big game, home field advantage or the top seed in the FC, what happens? Ryan Tannehill play action drops back. throws a pick. It's just, and, and he ends up with three on the game. Um, I really like the Titans. I like Mike Rabel. I think he's a good coach. I think they play pretty good defense. They had nine sacks, still lost the game. Um, but Tannehill stinks. He threw three picks and Joe Burrow is another guy that, in his young career, just finds a way to win. So I don't, I don't know if you had any thoughts or reactions to that game, Bob. No, like yourself caught the beginning of it, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just blown away. I mean, you shouldn't be right. We saw it in college, but you know, this Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow connection. I mean, that, that, that shows you what, what every team should be aiming for in terms of like a young, a young duo, a young connection. And, um, you know, remember in the pre in the preseason when everybody was afraid of like, you know, did Jamar Chase just totally fall off the planet in terms of being able to catch the football? I mean, I think we I think he put that one to rest during the course of the regular season. And he's just going out there and doing it in the playoffs, too. I mean, uh, over 100 yards and obviously they, they have to protect uh, protect Burrow. But, <clears throat> you know, we made the joke about about uh, the head coach Taylor going around to the bars after the game and giving the fans a game ball. I mean, he did it again. And like, at some point it goes from like totally corny and cheesy to like hilarious now that they're just like continuing to go from bar to bar and give out game balls. So, you know, I don't know if it ends here, but at this point, I'm not sure I can bet against Joe Burrow. I mean, the guy's a winner. The guy is everything that Philadelphia Eagles fans were sold as it related to Carson Wentz, gamer, tough guy, can make all the throws, team leader. That's the freaking bullshit we were sold with 11. And you're seeing it with Burrow. You're seeing it with a guy who actually went down to the SEC and ripped those teams up, including Alabama. He gets injured early. Really, you know, you don't see him making excuses about his O-line. Oh, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't get the ball down the field because of my O-line. No, you know, he, he goes out there and he competes and he gets the ball into the hands of his playmakers. And you look at that and you look at the youth around the league and you look at the quarterback position and, uh, you know, provided he can stay healthy and provided they can, they can put some pieces together on the O-line. I mean, Cincinnati's in as good a position as anybody. And that, and that's not even talking about this year. I mean, they, they may very well go ahead and do, do this thing. I wouldn't be completely shocked. I mean, I think the line's seven, and 
we saw what happened in Arrowhead and the Chiefs look unstoppable and um but well, like you said, man, Burrow. I mean, the guy just gets it done. I wouldn't want to bet against him. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I don't I don't have have too much else there. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna say I feel bad for the Titans, but it's just like that's a team that I I can root for. Like they're kind of likable, aside from Tannehill being a, being the bum that he is. But um, there's just like a weird weird vibe around that team. Like they can win some tough games and. They knocked out the Patriots a couple years ago, and then and then this year they have it all in front of them. They got home field, they got a they got a bye, and they they don't get it done. And we were on we were on Tennessee. Like I kind of thought like they could at least win one, but just another team that that doesn't really get it done uh, in the big spots. Like they just get so far and then lay a complete egg. Yeah, they, they got to make a move at QB, whether it's going out. I mean, do you think Derek Carr is an upgrade? I don't know. Um, from what I saw the other night, possibly. But, like, you know, you, you think about that team, how they're built. Vrabel's a tough guy, a defensive-minded guy. They run the football. I mean, they need a proven winner. Somebody like a Nick Foles to go in there and and steady the team and get the ball out and, and, uh, and not take chances and – give his receivers something catchable. I mean, uh, that's a name I'd, you know, if I'm Mike Vrabel or the GM of the Titans, I, you know, you're missing a quarterback. You need a guy that that has proven it, that has done it, that is that has taken his team into the biggest games and come out on top, and that, that's something that Tannehill just just can't seem to do. They've given Tannehill every, every shot, every opportunity. It's been, I don't know how many years now, it's got to be at least, what, three, four years that he's been the guy. They've been to the playoffs with him multiple times, and, he doesn't get it done. So, I mean, that's unfortunately for him that he he's the culprit, man, because the rest of that team is is built pretty nicely. Yeah, and that, that team, you know, you could talk about Tannehill all you want, winning, you know, getting the one seed and winning in the regular season, this, that, and the other. But you have to recognize their division, right? They're playing twice a year at Jacksonville, twice a year against Indy, twice a year against Houston. So those are five to six wins every year. You're going to win those games by running the football. You're going to win those games by playing defense. Now, he sprint, you know, they sprinkle in a few more wins either outside of the division or against the NFC. So they're going to be a, a team that's there with double-digit wins every year. And now it's just a matter of finding a quarterback that can get it done in the postseason. I, I just think we both agree he, he ain't it. Yeah, well, a lot of people would, would have said the same thing about uh, Matthew Stafford before coming into Sunday. And the Los Angeles Rams uh, getting it done on a last-second field goal from Matt Gay. I believe it was a 30-yarder. Um, to put a halt to the stampede back from the Bucs and the Rams beat the Bucs at Raymond James Stadium 30-27 to on Sunday afternoon. Um, crazy game. Bucks got out to, what, 27-3 lead and... You thought it was over. You thought it was unwatchable. You're waiting for the clock to turn to get to 6:30 for the Bills and the Chiefs. And uh, I don't know if it was the football gods or Sean McVay or Matthew Stafford or Cam Akers or Cooper Cup, but or the center. I don't even know where their center is. But so many things transpired. The Rams did everything they could to give that game away, give it back to Brady, and let the Bucks back in. Um, but ultimately. Stafford makes two throws to Cup, uh, who I, I don't know how the Bucks leave his ass open uh, with however much time was left in that game after it was tied up, and Rams get right down there and boot it through the uprights, and they're on, on the NFC Championship game at home at SoFi. Yeah, I don't know how else to say it other than Matthew Stafford totally bailed out that, that fraud, Sean McVay. I mean, the play calling was pathetic. The personnel was pathetic. I mean, they're trotting Cam Akers in and out of there like he's uh, Miles Sanders, right? Showing belief in him after a fumble. I mean, they were ready to close the door on the Bucks uh, right at, right at halftime, heading into the half, and he fumbles at the one, and then he's got another fumble as the Bucks are coming back, and then a bad snap. I didn't understand the personnel. I didn't understand the play calling. They were throwing it a bunch. Um, yeah, so, you know, next week we get the Stroke Fest, we get McVeigh, we get Shanahan, we'll get to hear everybody, you know, in the greater Washington, D.C., 
Northern Virginia, Maryland area complain about the fact that these two guys were on our staff, man, and we lost both of them. Um, but in terms of this game, I mean, yeah, just sloppy, sloppy game. Um, I thought the Bucks were going to come back and do it. In fact, I put some money on the Bucks money line when they were down big, only to see it uh, see it end the way it did. I, I don't know what Winfield was doing at the top of that round. I mean, he's sitting at the sticks. Um, you know, I don't know if he was l- looking in the backfield or what, but I mean, Cooper Cup is the only guy you can't you can't let beat you, and they're floating the ball downfield. And I mean, that was an easy catch. It wasn't even really contested. He just kind of waited for it, caught it, and got tackled. So, um, yeah, not much to say other than, you know, uh, I think the Bucks obviously uh, ran out of steam, ran out of players, didn't really have enough around Brady. They still gave it their best effort. And then that, that asshole McVay at the end of the game, I mean, I texted you, right? He's running around like he's Jim Valvano, and he just won the fucking NCAA championship looking for somebody to hug. Hey, man, Matthew Stafford, I love you, man. I love you. You saved my ass, man. Nah, I I couldn't stand that either, and it's like I don't I don't know what's gonna happen on on Sunday against against San Francisco, but I don't need to see his his ass and that stuck up hair, you know, on the sideline for the Super Bowl to to put up another three spot, and uh, you know get blasted by the Chiefs or get shredded by Joe Burrow. But um, I gotta correct myself. We are a podcast of accountability. This is what we're here for. You know, we we get on others. So I'm gonna get on myself. I think it was earlier in the year. Uh, when the Rams beat the Bucks, and then last week previewing this game, uh, I had mentioned that the Bucks had lost to Green Bay in the 2020 regular season, and then beat them in the NFC Championship. That was incorrect. Uh, the Bucks won the regular season game; they won the playoff game. However, I was referring to the Saints or thinking of the Saints. The Bucks had lost both regular season games in 2020 to the New Orleans Saints, and then they beat them in the divisional round to move on. Uh, in the playoffs last year. So accountability on all ends, on ourselves and, and on the bums uh, of the football world. But just wanted to point that out. Um, and not not that it had major impact. Um, I mean, maybe it did, but I mean, the Bucks had more chances than they deserved. They, they were flat out terrible. Their offensive line was terrible. Their defense was terrible. Um, I thought their defense was back in, in some way, shape, or form, but it's apparent that the Eagles' game plan was just fucking terrible. Um, but I'm curious just to get your thoughts on the penalty that was called on the fourth down play where Brady throws it up to Mike Evans, the ball hits the ground, and like a split second after the ball hits the ground, it's incomplete, no interference, but uh, somebody, I think it was Weddle or Waddle, whatever the hell his name is, lays a headshot on Evans coming to break it up and the ball's gone uh, and it was fourth down. So they say that it was an after the play foul. So they just penalized the Rams 15, but gave them the possession. Just wanted to get your thoughts. I think, you know, my thoughts, I mean, in real time, I said, that's targeting, that's, that's uh, unnecessary roughness or whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, the NFL, every fucking playoff game, there's a, there's a new spin on a rule and we'll get to the, to the Kansas City game later, and I'll talk about that. But this was a new one. <clears throat> Excuse me. When when the hell did you ever see this called before? I mean, they're they're like uh, it's like the Matrix. I mean, the uh, the referees are like slowing down time, and you're able to see the ball spin into the ground, and it it touched a blade of grass just before Weddle launches with the crown of his helmet into the head of Mike Evans. So. You know, when do, when is the play over? Is the play – so let me get this straight. If the ball hits the ground, you could just launch into a guy's head. Is that is that the new rule for next year? If it's fourth down, the ball hits the ground, you just launch into the guy's head with a with a with with the crown of the helmet. I mean, what about the fact that the guy left his feet and launched into Evans, and before he hit Evans, the play is still going on, right? So he launched. The ball hits the ground. Now he makes – I mean, he started the launch before the ball hit the ground. I've never seen this call. They come up with this stuff and they huddle and you always know there's someone's going to get boned because the league office is in the ear of the, of the head official and they're trying to figure out some way to make this look decent, right? We saw it last week with the Raiders and the Bengals whistle on the field. They're hot on. Nobody knows what's going on. Next thing you know, the league is phoning it in same type of thing. Now, you know, did it change the outcome of the game? I don't think so because 
<laughs> McVeigh and the Rams turned it over like the next play. But I, I just don't understand where these rules come from. I mean, when is the play considered over? Like, what is are there any continuation rules? You look at the NBA. I mean, are we gonna we're gonna do that in the NBA? I mean, there's fouls all the time after the shot, and the, and the shot counts, right? I mean. I just don't understand how the NFL, every single playoff, there's a new spin on a new rule. And you know what they're going to do, Jake? It's going to be a point of contention next year. And you're going to get that little weasel, Mike Flurio and that other little fat weasel, Peter King. And they're going to spend three weeks writing columns about it and talk about the competition committee. And the competition committee is going to propose a new rule. Where if the player leaves his feet, it's always some bullshit. It's like a it's like a drama fest. It's like a it's like a soap opera in the offseason. You need something to talk. They'll fit that in with the overtime rule with Kansas City and Buffalo. It'll be all the talk of the offseason. But for now, I'm pissed. I mean, this is just it's another they did it with Dez at Green Bay, right? They no catch. This is another line of those examples of just they don't know the rules. They can't enforce the rules, so they make them up as they go. 100%. And I even thought back after we recorded the pod last week, recapping wildcard weekend on the Raiders game, like they blew that whistle because they thought Joe Burrow stepped out of bounds. He didn't step out of bounds. So it was, it was a, a whistle in error. And then they still wanted to blow the play dead. So that's completely fucked. And then I look at the Evans play. And when I think about unnecessary roughness, or I think about a foul that's enforced after the play, it's because the foul took place outside of the play. And yes, did the ball hit the ground before he landed the headshot? Yes. But why was he making that run at Evans? Because of the play. It was a result of the play. It didn't happen after the play. That So that was a complete botch job as well. And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, every week, every game, especially in January, February, the biggest games of the year, the playoffs, there's always some nuance to some rule and somebody gets fucked and it, it's just annoying as shit. Um, but like you said, and I think in both cases in uh, the Bengals game in wildcard round against the Raiders and in this game, um, you know, the better team won. It didn't have, have that kind of impact on the game, but it's still just a pain in the ass to watch these, these old guys, these old zebras go out there and fumble it up all the time. Um, but I knew you were fired up about that one, so I just wanted to, to get that from you. Well, let me ask you something, right? Because we, we could play this all day long. Like, let's let's say, for example, a quarterback, it's fourth down, quarterback drops back, ball gets tipped, hits the ground, and gets walloped by a, uh, by a defender, late hit, roughing the quarterback. That's a first down! Yeah. I've never once I've never once heard anybody say, oh, you know what? Because the ball hit the ground, we're actually going to enforce Derek fucking Barnett's late hit on the Eagles possession. What 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 the fuck is that? Nah, that that's a that's a great, great point to add. I mean, it was it was just bad, but um I don't know if you have anything else in the game. I thought, you know, the Bucks the the Bucks were utterly bad. I mean, obviously little shorthanded with with Worfs out and obviously no Godwin, but I thought their defense uh, would give them a shot, and their defense wasn't great, especially early in that game, and I think that's just an indictment on the game plan that, that Nick Sirianni put together uh, the week prior. Totally agree. Uh, so let's move on to the last game of the divisional round, the game of the weekend. I mean, it was a great weekend of football. We said it last week. Everybody says it. I think everybody knows it. Divisional round is the best weekend of football of the year. But I don't think anybody has seen a game like the Bills and the Chiefs played at Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday uh, in in recent memory in maybe 10, 20, 30. I don't know how many years. I haven't seen a game like that in my life probably. It was a shame it had to end. It was a shame that Andy and Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey – Got the dub in the end, uh, but but I guess they earned it. And, uh, you know, Bob, you called it earlier in the year. Sean McDermott, Capital One, fraud alert, and he was out in full force uh, with 13 seconds left uh, in the fourth quarter Sunday. But 
everybody's, oh, I feel bad for the Bills. I feel bad for the Bills. I don't feel bad for their defense. I don't feel bad for their coach. I don't feel bad for their defensive coordinator. The only guy I feel bad for is Josh Allen because that guy played his ass off and there was nothing more he could have done to win that game, and they still fucking lost. So I feel bad for him, but everybody else can go jump through the table. Josh Allen and the receiver. That guy, uh, what was his name, Gabriel Davis? Gabriel Davis, yeah. What did he have, four touchdowns, I think? Four touchdowns. I I, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a disparity quite as wide as I saw with Josh Allen relative to play calling, relative to the support he got on defense. I mean, the play calling was pathetic. That Brian Dayball, he he was talked about as the next hot hot thing in terms of an offensive coordinator. I think I'd throw that out the window. Now, granted, the, the Bills scored, but a lot of it was just Allen, uh, you know, breaking contain, making a play. None of it was really scheme. I mean, they're – it was like third and long, and you know, they're running little dump-offs to the running back. It's like, what are we doing here? Uh, I thought he sucked. I gave you my thoughts on McDermott earlier in the year. You know, you always want to root for the local guy, although he's a LaSalle guy. But I told you he was a chump. He was a chump here. Andy Reid fired him. He was a chump in Carolina. Yeah, he got by because he had some good players. Julius Peppers, Luke Keekley. Then he comes to Buffalo, and, you know, you think this guy's going to instill a hard-working, blue-collar work ethic into this team on the defensive side of the football, you know, because that's what that region's all about. And they play softer than shit. I mean, we'll talk about the decision-making, the schematics, the whole thing, but, like, it's unbelievable. They, they, they don't hit anybody. We talk about taking the cheap shot at Evans, like the last, you know, Weddle coming in and hitting Evans high. Is anybody going to hit Travis Kelsey? Are we gonna let Tyreek Hill just run all over the field like it's like it's uh, fourth period recess at, at, at fucking Holly Kong Middle School? It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not here to recap that. I mean, everybody saw saw what happened and all the points scored, you know, within the last two minutes and in overtime. But I mean, I I just got a couple a couple points that you know I want I wanted to bring up. And I know you're going to want to touch on them too, but obviously at the top top of the broadcast of the game, they're talking about the Bills and they're the number one defense and number one points per play and this and that and how great their defense is. And they they got some stops, you know, when they needed to uh, that allowed the Bills to get the lead. Um, but then once that that seesaw started at the at the end of the fourth quarter, I mean, maybe they were gassed. I I don't know, but they completely fell apart. And you know. I'm looking at um, the, with the 13 seconds left, dude. Um, 13 seconds left, and what? The Bills are up three after all, trading all the touchdowns in the last two minutes. And McDermott, or a special teams guy, I don't know who makes the fucking call, decides to blast the kickoff into the end zone to kill no time. And the Chiefs have two timeouts. If you kick the ball in bounds... For, for some special teams guy to, to stumble over it and just to even knee it in the spot, that kills at least, I would say, two seconds for you right there. And that's like at best for the Chiefs. I think it kills maybe four to five seconds. Um, and then, what, it took them, what, two or three plays to get down in the field goal range? I mean, the two. defense the defense was terrible. They're rushing like four guys. I mean, if I'm in that situation and I'm calling the defense, I'm rushing one or two guys. I have another guy uh, maybe spying the quarterback so he can't pick up some crazy long run. And then I'm doubling Tyree Kill, and the rest of the guys are playing his own. I'm not worried about the boundary. They got two timeouts. There's only 13 seconds left. Just keep everything in front of you. Let them have a 10-yard completion. Let them have a 15-yard completion maybe. But it took them two plays. And the second play to Kelsey – the, the the guy that had the outside leverage or outside responsibility just backed off of him, let him run run right up at the seam. It was terrible defense. Thirteen fucking seconds. Like like I said, I feel bad for Josh Allen, but at the same time, in a playoff game when you have a three point lead, all you have to do is get a, a squib kick and like two or three stops, or not even two or three stops. Just don't let them get like 40, 40 fucking yards in ten seconds. You can't do that. You don't deserve to win. It, uh, like Sean McDermott should be fired. That's why these people, I said it that night, fireable offense. I thought he should have been fired. I, I don't even think I would have let him talk to the media. I would have come out as owner. I would have come out as Terry. But then again, the owner who is, is who? Uh, what's his name? Pegula? Pegula? Ter- Pegula? Terry Pegula. Pegula. 
he's a Penn State guy, so this is you know this is par for the course for him. He's used to choking at the end of a season and uh, you know totally uh, squandering a, a, a you know a high talent team. Um, so maybe there's a little element of that, but I wouldn't even let that fucking guy address the media. I would have come out as owner and I would have said. That is the most fucking despicable, pathetic 13 seconds. You could have gone uh, out into the community and watched a Pop Warner team in Buffalo or Kansas City play a better defense than that. And, you know, you have to ask the question, who comes up with the with the schemes at the end of these games? Does anyone know the rules? Um, you know, you're playing a basketball game and you're up by three points. The, the typical advice is you fucking foul. You, you get into the penalty and you foul. You don't let Steph Curry get off a wide open shot from three-point land. The minute he touches the ball, you foul, and, you, and you, you don't even allow him to feign a shot. You wrap him up and you foul, right? They're letting Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey get not only run their routes, but they're getting off the line with a free release and a cushion. Does anyone realize, like, you can, and I heard somebody say this the other day, get up on the line, fucking tackle them. Tackle them to the ground and hold them. Don't let them get up. All right? You run that. If you play that defense with 13 seconds left, what happens? Mahomes scrambles around. Maybe he hits somebody. But they're not going to be able to get a second playoff and get in a field goal range and get a timeout. It'll be a Hail Mary. I just don't understand. The game obviously cannot end on a defensive penalty. They would get one shot if the if the clock goes to zero, but hell, a throw is better than getting in a field goal range, letting a guy take a kick. Um, so I, I just don't understand how, how these defensive coaches who are supposed gurus, like don't understand the game. Don't understand the situation. I mean, it, it's pathetic, Jay. No, we saw it. We saw it with the 49ers and, and luckily Dallas is uh, bad enough and dumb enough and horrible enough to shit down their leg uh, when they're gifted, that opportunity that they should have never had uh, in in the wild card round, but then you had um, what's his face on on the Bucks get absolutely burned by Cooper Cup. That's late in the fourth quarter, and that and that's a tie tie game. Um, so so you really can't get burned. And then and he could have tackled him there too. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, and and then you got you got fucking um, who are we talking about? The Buffalo Bills. I mean, I I, I don't know. You know, I'm not breaking down the film, but like it, it can't be it can't be that easy to move to move the ball two plays in less than 13 seconds. Like, especially when you're the number one defense that that everybody's talking about in yards per play. Well, for for those two plays, they were probably the number 32 defense uh, on, on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, Mahomes. I mean, I'm sure everybody heard the stat. Mahomes threw for 177 yards. After the fucking two-minute warning, that is criminal. That is malpractice. You should be. You should be, especially if you're a defensive-minded coach. You should be immediately fired. That is a fireable offense. Yeah, I mean, you you just can't tell me that. I understand the beast that Mahomes is and Hill and Kelsey and Andy Reid and everything. I I understand. Um, but you just you can't tell me that there's no way to to prevent um them scoring a field goal in 13 seconds like there's it's just un- unbelievable well you prevent it by not running prevent they had trips out at the bottom of the formation two guys go out in front of hill to block and then they dump it off the hill and he runs around and picks up what 15 or 20 timeout goes down and then they hit this little kind of uh you know ball up the seam with with kelsey goes down timeout just that easy i mean does anyone want to come up on the line of scrimmage and hit somebody yeah, I thought about about that as well. Is just just knock them off off balance right off the jump, and and obviously double hill. Um, especially if you're going to rush four guys, if you're going to rush four guys, you know, then definitely press allow the pass rush to maybe make some noise. Um, but if not, I'm I'm rushing two guys and I'm putting nine guys in coverage somehow, and not necessarily prevent, but. I'm preventing a, a 10-yard catch and a, a 15-yard run for a quick 25. Yep. Yep. Um, and then, obviously, we saw what happened in overtime. Uh, if you were listening intently, you saw what happened in overtime at the coin toss. You had the official explaining what was going on, uh, tossing the, the coin in the air. He was about to let us know if it was heads or tails, but our guy, Tony Romo, 
had to talk over the fucking official to let us know, hey, Jim, hey, Jim, this coin toss is huge. It's crucial, man. It's This is a big coin toss. It's fucking overtime in the divisional round, and whoever wins the coin toss gets the ball first. All anybody watching wants to know is heads or tails, and you got Tony Romo screaming through your fucking TV that the coin toss is crucial. Thank you, Tony. Dude, he's so bad. And then, like, you know what else is bad is – at the end of the game, he's given everybody the 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 clock situation, as if the week before he wasn't he wasn't pumping up the Dallas Cowboys as they run a fucking QB sneak with like 15 seconds left. Jim, they're gonna get up there and clock it. And two seconds left. Oh my God, they're Jim. They're out of time. I can't believe it, Jim. I can't trust anything this guy says, whether it's heads or tails, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, you know end of game clock situation. Hey Romo, do me a favor, just shut the fuck up. Seriously, but um, and then the the other talking point after this game was like the overtime rules, and I don't know if that's coming from Bills fans or if that's coming from you know other NFL pundits. If you're a Bills fan, you shouldn't be complaining about the rules. You should be c- complaining about your bozo coach that couldn't get a, a uh, couldn't stop you know a 50 yard advancement in 13 seconds. That should be your complaint. And if you're just an NFL fan, you can't be bitching about that rule. Like, as much as we would love to see it, those guys can't be playing all night. You know, then they're dead for next week. I, I saw one proposition or proposal uh, to to alter the rule in in the playoffs, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, if the first team scores a touchdown, or if either team scores a touchdown, they have to go for two. So the rule would be the same. If you have the ball first, touchdown, two-point conversion, game over, you win. So that gives your defense a chance, if you lose the toss, to either A, get a stop, or B, if you can't stop a touchdown, stop a two-point conversion. Um, So I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think... It would still end kind of as quick. Like it wouldn't be like college where it's like a baseball on a top and bottom and you keep going back and forth and you'd be there all night. Christ, if it happened on Sunday. But I kind of think the two point conversion would, would be a nice little caveat uh, for, for the postseason. I mean, I don't think anything needs to change. But if but the issue I have with these honks, these these people who come out of the woodwork, right? If, if, is it really football fans that are complaining about this or is it these? These people that turn on the TV for the first time during the playoffs and all of a sudden it's a shock that the first team that scores a touchdown wins like no shit. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, if you want to talk about changing the rules, uh, let's make it a little more strategic. Let's not make it, you know, a simple, hey, we won the toss. We want the ball. I think the rule should be the first team to score a touchdown or get a stop wins the game, meaning if you have a good defense and you think that, that your defense can get the other team off the field without them scoring points, game over, you win. Or if you have a good offense, you go out there, you think they're going to be able to score a touchdown, boom. Like, I just don't understand this thing where we, we need to give the other quarterback a chance. No, play the damn game. Yeah, get a stop. It's a team game. Or if, if you're the defense, earn your quarterback that chance to, to go get you the points. Because then it becomes, I mean, it becomes a little more strategic. Like, if you're Andy Reid and your defense, like, like, do you put the ball in Mahomes' hand and say, we we know you're going to score a touchdown, but if you get stopped, you lose? Or do you say, hey, I got a good defense. I know we can get one negative play and get these guys off the field. Like, that would be cool to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this whole thing with these these newfangled NFL fans, again, it's the fantasy football, it's the Gen Z it's the processor types who, you know, they don't understand the rules of the game, so all they do is bitch and complain. Oh, we had an epic game, man. I, you know, what they wanted to see, I'll tell you why people are complaining. These are the same, the people that talked about this game being an epic game. I mean, it's a good game, but I was getting texts saying, best game of all time. I mean, are you ready to make that proclamation on Sunday night after watching the game? I'm not. The same people that text that, or the people that were watching that Monday night football game from 2018, the Chiefs versus the Rams. The Rams win 54 to 51. And that was, at that point, that was the greatest game. Like the third highest scoring game in NFL history. Like, I'm sorry. I like a little defense, okay? I, I'm a, I was a Brian Dawkins guy, a Jeremiah Trotter guy. 
I like Troy Vincent. I like Bobby Taylor. Like, can anybody get a fucking stop? It's not my fault when a team can't get a stop. That's a good point. Yeah, it it is. I mean, they're very exciting games, but in terms of the quality of football that's being played on offense, um, I would say it's uh, unlike what we've seen uh, across our lifetime, and it's impressive and it's exciting, but the defense is is terrible, and especially at the end of these games. And, I, and again, I don't think it's because these guys are gassed. I think it's because the coaching stinks. I think it's because guys just don't know how to play fucking defense uh, you know, when their backs are against the wall and it's time to nut up and make a play. And it's a disgrace, and the Bills paid for it on Sunday. Um, but as far as the overtime rules thing, like I just thought the two-point conversion thing was, was a neat point, would make it a little bit more uh, of a challenge, I guess, for the team that gets the ball first. Um, but, it, it, again, it really is a moot point. Like if you're watching the game and you don't know the rules and then the game ends and you're not happy about it because you don't like the rules, like – you shouldn't have been watching the game in the first place. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I mean, let's let's wrap quickly uh, to by looking forward. Um, I don't think I have anything else. I'm just just checking the. Uh, no, the I cliff, got something. I got cliff something notes here. All right, go keep ahead. It quick. Keep it quick. We talked about the officiating in the Tampa Bay Rams game and the lack of consistency and how they just make up rules on the field. You have Tyreek Hill uh, running down the sideline with what? Was that a minute 30? Yeah, it wasn't the last. I think it was the last KC touchdown in regulation. He's at the 15-yard line, and he's flipping up the deuces, the peace sign to the linebacker or the DB or whatever the hell it was. And I immediately start texting people like, that's taunting, like that's a penalty. And you know what? I got a lot of problems, not only with the officiating, got a lot of problems with all you people that texted me back saying, oh, you know, we don't want to see that call in a big moment. We don't want to – I'm glad they swallowed their whistle. Hang on a second here. Let me tell you why I'm pissed off. It's not because I think that it should be flagged, but it's because Tyreek Hill was the fucking idiot for whom the penalty was created, Right. He's been doing this little deuce thing and his peace sign every time he scores a touchdown at the defenders. And then all of a sudden, magically, at the end of the Super Bowl last year, they get a stop and Winfield gives Tyreek Hill the deuce sign right in his face. And that became the talking point for exactly the same bullshit I talked about earlier. The competition committee, the sportsmanship committee, the Peter Kings of the world, the Mike Florios who get something to type about. All off season, And next thing you know, that little punk, that punk owner of the New York Giants, who doesn't know what a football team even looks like, who hires a bozo GM, who hires a moron high school Pop Warner coach in Joe Judge. What does he do? He proposes the taunting rule. We need to get this out of football. Get it out of football. So all season we've been watching bullshit. A guy gets a sack and he does his little kick dance, whatever it is, taunting. A guy picks a ball off and he says, hey, buddy, you stink, taunting. And then the exact guy for whom the rule was created because he got pumped in the Super Bowl in front of 500 million people watching the game, he flashes the peace sign to a defender from the 15-yard line, and that's when we decide to swallow the whistle and not throw a flag? That pissed me off so much. No, I totally agree. I felt the same way as you, and... It's not, again, it's not that it it, it is taunting or it's offensive or anything to, th- to throw the deuces up and be hype and, and celebrate. Um, but it's just the NFL. Like, that was their point. That was their new rule. This was their point of emphasis and the taunting. But, and then you just see that little punk, that little midget on the Chiefs sprinting down the sideline and he throws the deuces up and there's no no flag to be seen. It's just like, you know, if that was some some bum uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars that that did that, you know, the flag would be thrown immediately. But because it's that little midget Tyreek Hill and he's sprinting around with his earrings hanging out, like it's all good. It, and and it's a big you know a big touchdown for the Chiefs and Mahomes, the new the new face of the league. You know, the sw- swallow the whistle. So that's that's why I thought it was a disgrace as well. But now you you nailed it. Um, and it's just it's another. Another NFL rule, 
uh, that that gets uh, gets revised or, or improvised on the fly here. Yep, all new rules in the playoffs. All right, so let's quickly look ahead uh, to the weekend, to Sunday, uh, AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game. Uh, quickly, uh, I had mentioned uh, our graphics guy uh, was off this weekend. We were still able to put out our pick Saturday for the four divisional games, and it was not good, folks. Uh, hopefully you got on the Instagram, uh, saw the fade the shade selections, and were able to fade the shade as Bob and I both went 0-4. So Fade the Shade paid in full this past weekend. And now we're going to pick the championship games uh, to see if we can continue to fill your pockets. Uh, first game, Sunday, 3 o'clock, the AFC championship game, Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Uh, the line currently Tuesday evening here, Kansas City minus 7. Total is 54.5. Uh, just quickly, Bob, what, what's your what's your pick on the game? Yeah, fourth straight AFC Championship game that the Chiefs are hosting. Uh, Andy Reid becomes the first coach in NFL history to lead two teams to four straight uh, uh, conference championship games. As a Philadelphian, as an Eagles fan, as a guy who watched many of those conference championship games, which were at home, we know he's due for a clunker. Um, I'm taking the points. It's too many points in a conference championship game. Um, I, I, I like Joe Burrow. I like what they're building. I like Jamar Chase against that Swiss cheese defense. Give me the points. I'm taking the Bengals in the seven. I'm going to roll with you too. Uh, I think Cincinnati, um, faced or added a few, few, uh, injuries along the defensive line. Uh, I said that before last week as well. Didn't seem to affect them against uh, against the Titans, um, but no, I think it's too many points. I think Joe Burrow, uh, you know, he's a uh, he's a winner. He's going to show up. I, I don't think he he's going to be phased by the moment. Um, and I wanted to say something else. Andy Mahomes. Oh no, the the uh, the, the Bengals beat the Chiefs already this year. I don't know if it I don't know if it was at Arrowhead or, or in Cincinnati, but. Um, you know, the Bengals have already beat these guys, and it, it wasn't early in the year when the Chiefs were playing like shit. It was a shootout. I think it was a 34-31 game. So uh, I don't know if they win the game, but I just think uh, everybody saw what, what the Chiefs offense did. That's kind of their last memory uh, of the divisional round was the Chiefs just flying down that field. I think, you know, every Joe Schmo is going to be on the Chiefs expecting the blowout. Uh, Chiefs I, and the over. Everybody's going to be on the over. I'd consider – this isn't my pick, but I, I will be taking probably the under. Yeah, that's a good point as well. But, um, no, nah, it, it, it's a lot of points. Um, so I'm going to take them, and we'll take Cincinnati. Uh, let's look at the NFC Championship game Sunday at 630. You got the San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. With a win, the Rams would go to the Super Bowl uh, and play on their home turf. Uh, two games in a row in the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. Rams right now are three-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is at 46. Bomb. What are you thinking? I'm going to break this game down for you. So I think about things in a couple different ways. Who do you trust, right? Who do you trust more? Who do you trust more at head coach? Who do you trust more at quarterback? Uh, obviously, we know these teams have solid D-lines. What run game is going to get going and, and keep that keep that D line at bay and and uh, keep them honest? And I think in every category, I like San Francisco over the Rams. I think McVay's a fraud. I, I, I I'm not particularly fond of Shanahan, but I I think he's going to put his players in a better position to succeed relative, or I should say, compared to McVay. Um, I think uh, I think the run game we saw McVay stick with Cam Akers too long. Uh, I I I I have a lot more respect for Shanahan in the run game, and uh, you know I think the the Rams D line a little overhyped. You know you you get the big names, but I, I like San Francisco. I like them. I actually like them outright. I'm going to take the points, and I will put a smaller wager on the money line. But look for Sean McVay to come out here with uh, with with no answers. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, Bob. Um, you know, based off of last week, but but I happen to agree again. Fade um, the shade. 
Yeah, I mean, fade the shade, it might pay, it might not. It usually does. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm still of the belief that Sean McVay is a fraud. I'm still of the belief Matthew Stafford is a fraud. Uh, I don't think there's really any home field advantage whatsoever for the Rams at SoFi. I think uh, their D-line was able to feast last week uh, on a, a banged-up uh, Tampa Bay Bucks offensive line. I think the 49ers are fantastic in the trenches. Uh, they have Debo Samuel. They have Elijah Mitchell, both of whom they can get going on the ground. Uh, and, and Jimmy G, he ain't perfect, but he's just getting it done right now. Uh, and and that, that San Francisco defense is tough. Um, just have no faith in McVay, no faith in the Rams. Uh, there's always a letdown. There's always a, a, an egg that they lay. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's Sunday, but I'll happily take three and a half uh, with San Francisco. Yep. Um, and by the way, like not, not, not to cut you off, but Matthew Stafford wins one playoff game and makes one throw at the end of a game and, and people are ready to anoint this guy, Joe Montana. I mean, I saw Dan Orlovsky again. What a bozo. What a moron. He's, he's on TV talking about the fact that there's no other quarterback he'd rather have in the playoffs with the ball in his hand in an end of game situation other than Matthew Stafford. What are you smoking? What are you smoking? I, w- I like Jimmy G better than Stafford. I mean, the guy took a team to a Super Bowl. I think the guy's, I think the guy in big moments is going to. I mean, not that he's perfect. You said it. He's not perfect, but he's been there. He's taken a team to a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, he's a career loser. He was a loser at Georgia with a good team. He was a loser on the Lions with a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and he's a loser with Sean McVay. And he will be on Sunday. But it'll be interesting to see if Jimmy G and Shanahan get another crack at at the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But nothing's written in stone. Um and, you know, if last weekend told you anything, it's to expect the unexpected uh, and, and any given Sunday. I'll just read read this last little tidbit off. Um, I think I touched on a little bit of it, but just to demonstrate how crazy this past weekend was. Uh, the Green Bay defense gave up six points and lost the game. The Tennessee Titans defense recorded nine sacks and lost the game. The Buffalo Bills had a three-point lead with 13 seconds left, and they lost the game. It's just any given Sunday, man. It's crazy. I mean, to hear stuff like that, and and obviously we witnessed it all, but you you don't really think about it um, watching the games. But totally crazy. Uh, But there's our picks. Hopefully we'll we'll fare a little bit better than divisional round. I think I'm still floating over 500. I think I'm three games over 500 with three games left in the NFL season. So I just got to grab one. Just got to grab one here. Um, but in the meantime, uh, just quickly, uh, I'm I'm getting some, some weekday action going here. Uh, it's Tuesday night. Last night, Monday night, uh, I had the Dallas Stars. I had them to win in regulation. I had the minus one and a half. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are an absolute dumpster fire. And I was afraid I might be late to the party, uh, but I'm one for one. And as soon as Dallas uh, put that empty netter in last night, I immediately reinvested uh, on the New York Islanders. The Flyers take them on here Tuesday night shortly. Uh, If this team is going to be so bad, uh, I might as well make some money off of it. And if I'm going to lay on my couch and watch them absolutely suck at the sport of hockey, I'm going to try to make some money off of it. So, uh, I'm going to keep it rolling tonight. I got the Islanders. I don't know who they play next, when they play next, uh, but they're going for 13 straight losses. I uh, would have loved to start to cash in earlier, um, but, you know, I've watched this team. They're that bad. If you want to make some cash from now until April or May, just bet against the Flyers. Anything else to add today, Bob? No. I got nothing else. I mean, I did make a little bit of a cameo appearance on a Flyers postgame show. Uh, you know, for those who aren't watching this pitiful team, they have a guy who they're calling the Iron Man of Hockey on the blue line. You think they're getting some production out of him. I think he's, what, a minus 30 this year? Keith Yandel um, playing in his 900 and whatever game in a row. And they're talking about this guy as if he's Cal Ripken fucking junior going out there and playing for the hometown Baltimore Orioles. I think it's disgusting. Not only is the team losing, they are allowing stiffs to set NHL records. I think it's disgusting. And I wanted to make that that thought known here on Thoughts from the Shade. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, as bad as they've been, um, you know, the Flyers are kind of turning into a charity program. Um, you, you look at Keith Yandel and the Ironman streak. Um, even look at Jake Voracek. He's got one goal halfway through the season with the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Flyers gave him like an eight-year, $65 million deal like he was uh, Connor McDavid uh, or Leon Dreisaitl um, put, putting up points. And and I, I like Jake. You know, I liked his... Uh, his personality and, and he's not a bad player but you know we, we we paid this guy like he was a top five player in the league but um nobody wants to hear about the flyers right now they suck uh they're a joke um but like i said i'm gonna look to make a profit off of it uh for the rest of the year um but i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to championship weekend with that, we'll shut it down. Uh, we'll thank everybody for listening. We will thank our sponsors, Menard Premium Detailing and Shamrock Sun. Um, and if you're not already, uh, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us those five MFN stars, man. Uh, we appreciate it and hope everybody enjoys the games, makes some cash. Uh, and stays warm here uh, as we're in the thick of winter and January. But until next week, take care, everybody.